This is your itinerary for travel and photography with your host, Rob Knight. Hi, this is Doug Kay from the All About the Gear podcast here on the TWIP Network. I just want to let you know that I still have a few openings for my workshop in Cuba in early November. For more information, head on over to DougK.com slash workshops. Thanks. Welcome to Your Itinerary. My name is Rob Knight, and this is episode number 37. My guest today is photographer Roman Kurachek. He's a photographer and the workshop leader behind Roman with Roman Photo Tours. And if you've been to any nature photography events in the last year or so, you've probably seen Roman and you've probably seen his work for uh, Sigma. And uh, his his beautiful nature photography has been all over the place. He shoots birds. He shoots macro. uh, He shoots landscape photography. He kind of does it all. And uh, Roman's workshops are really cool, man. He does really small groups. And, um, like four people, small groups, not like, well, we only take 15 people, but really small groups. And he, he really has that personal approach. And, and because of that, he develops uh, really personal, uh, relationships with his clients. And so we talk about that and Roman's a good friend of mine. And, uh, and I was, I was really happy to have him on the show. We talk about how, uh, his family and his outspoken personality have both, uh, serve to shape his photography career into uh, what he's doing now. So I think you'll dig it. I'm just back from my family road trip to Nebraska, and I have a really quick turnaround. I'm actually on my way to Raleigh, North Carolina today on July 8th. I'll be speaking at the Carolinas Nature Photographers Association chapter in, uh, in Raleigh, the Triangle Group, as they're called. So if you're in the Raleigh area and you're listening to this on, uh, on Wednesday morning, then stop by and check it out. After that, I'm, I'm spending the rest of the month of July finishing up my book, and I'm gearing up for my Colorado workshop on August 7th through the 9th. And uh, if there's uh, still tickets available, you can get them at digitalphotoadventures.com. And uh, I'm also getting ready for the Grandfather Mountain Camera Clinic up in North Carolina on August 15th. I'm really looking forward to that. I've heard a lot of great things about this event for a while, so I'm, I'm pleased to be able to take part in that. So without further ado, here's Roman Kurichek. Well, welcome, Roman, and thanks for being on the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. Uh, it's funny. We were just talking about it before we got on the air. I, I felt like I saw you every week for the first half of the year, and we never had like 20 or 30 minutes to stop and talk when we weren't on the way to dinner or you know doing some show or something like that. So it's cool to um, get you in the can, so to speak. Um, well, you're known for everything from macro photography to wildlife photography to shooting stars and light painting. And, you know, a lot of photographers specialize in just one of these disciplines, but you do nice work across the board. And is that something that you made a conscious decision to do or are you just you just sort of follow your nose? Well, probably 25 years ago, I was like most people. I couldn't afford those long wildlife lenses. And uh, I joined actually a camera club in New Jersey. So I was shooting landscapes and things like that. And after I joined the club and I saw some of the wildlife work and macro work that people were doing there, I decided to start trying that out. So first was macro because it was more affordable. Uh, I bought the Sigma 180 macro and uh, a flash. And so I started doing macro work on top of my landscape work. And as you know, I developed 10 years later and I was able to purchase a, you know, one of the telephoto zoom lenses, uh, I went out and did that and started doing wildlife and birds. Cool. Now, was that sort of your goal to begin with? Did you always sort of fantasize about getting that big lens? You say about actually, I started out in art school, so I was an art school major going for graphic design. Uh, I I really hated school. I shouldn't say that because both of my sons are in school, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, 
I didn't like school too much, so um, I got out of it and started traveling all over the West and started doing landscape photography, fell in love with the landscapes. But when you go to places like Yellowstone and you know you see all the wildlife and things out there, really got me interested in doing the wildlife. And like most people my age, I'm 50, we spent Sundays watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Sure. And uh, now I'm actually going to those places that I used to watch on TV. So it's actually pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. We are my wife and I are just finishing uh what were we watching? Mad Men. And uh Roger said something about he was he had somebody on his heels and he says, I feel like Marlon Perkins should be chasing me across the savannah. And yeah, I, yeah. I died laughing and my wife didn't get it. She's just a couple of years younger than me, but I, I said, Oh, you you never watched Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom? And she said, I don't even know what that is. I'm like, okay. Oh, man. I'm I'm an old man then. <laughs> Great thanks. <Yeah. laughs> That's funny. But yeah, you know, it's such a it's such a different thing now with so much more access to um not only to going to places and traveling to places and um you know, getting the gear to make these pictures, but even just looking at people's Instagram pictures, you know. That used Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom used to be the place that you would see those wildlife that imagery, you know, the the uh, what these animals were from the other side of the world and now it's it's like you know, you can watch Animal Planet 24 hours a day, or like I said, you can just jump on Facebook or, you know, Instagram or whatever. Do you feel like that's that's made uh, wildlife photography kind of less of a big deal? Uh, I think digital photography has really uh, pushed wildlife photography to a new level. Um, I remember going out, I want to say, 16 years ago, doing to out to New Mexico, Bosque, mm-hmm. out in New Mexico, and I remember. 92 rolls of 36 exposure ISO 100 film. Wow. I probably had two keepers of a bird in flight that I was happy with. Jeez. Uh, Compare that with going back eight, nine years later and a lot of practice. I probably had over 2,000 in one morning because of the ability to push the ISOs to those higher levels. Sure. Uh, Combine that with all the information that you have online now the growth curve for wildlife photographers has gone up exponentially oh absolutely and then things like you know to talk about your your people at sigma i mean they have you don't have to spend a bajillion dollars to get get the glass that you need for wildlife right uh my one of my oldest lenses is my sigma 3 to 800 affectionately known as the sig monster it's uh eight years old almost nine years old yeah uh that was the first you know, really big telephoto lens that I bought. And that runs now about $8,000, which is expensive for most people still. Sure. But now they just introduced two newer lenses, a 150 to 600, both similar sport and a contemporary version. One's $1,000, the other one's $2,000. That gives people an affordable 600 millimeter lens. Right. And that's crazy. I mean, I remember just, gosh, Four or five years ago, did I, I was uh, helping Juan Pons with a, a wildlife photography workshop, and this guy came up to me and he said, "Rob, should I bring my 100 to 400 or my 500 millimeter lens?" And I'm right. just thinking about how much money he's got. He just can't decide which one of those to bring. And I, you know, there was such a high uh, cost of of membership into that bird photography club, and that's just it's not going away, but it's certainly less than it was. And, and right. that, that makes it a lot more, a lot more accessible, a lot more fun for people, I think, too. 
Right. And if you look at the fact that the primes, nobody's saying that the primes aren't sharp, they're not fast, you know, they come with a pretty substantial price tag. But I like the versatility of the zoom lens because, as I found out that first day out in Yellowstone on my tour, an elk ran right at me. Yeah. What do you do when you got a fixed prime? You're you're out of luck. You're cutting something off. So with the capability of the zoom and being able to zoom in or out, that really helped a lot as far as composing, recomposing, and you know the quality has gone up on those zoom lenses substantially. Sure, sure. And kind of the other way, I use I use one lens that zooms when I use the uh, the Swarovski spotting scope, and. Uh, and it's it starts out at about a thousand millimeters, but anything inside of that, I'm I'm done. I I, I literally carry a different camera with me so I can you get those closer shots. Because I mean, if you're when you're shooting at a thousand millimeters effective focal length, there's it, your subject's got to be a, a a few feet away for sure. So oh yeah, and I can zoom out, but I can't zoom in. I I can see the you know something like you said, like a one hundred to four hundred or or one fifty to six hundred is a really uh, flexible range with and still to get that long reach. Right, and and I see a lot of people approaching closer to the subject. So having that six hundred millimeter focal length now allows you to stay further back, get a better depth of field per se, nicer background because you don't have to get as close. And a lot of national parks have regulations on how close you can get. And for common sense, you shouldn't get too close. Absolutely, yeah, especially when it comes to wildlife, you don't want to bother your subjects in that way. Right. For sure. Well, uh, so how did how did teaching come about? You mentioned getting into camera clubs twenty five years ago. Um, how do you get from there to to teaching uh, photography and leading workshops? Well, about thirteen years ago, I decided that you know I wanted to try doing a business. I started Roman with Roman dot com, and I started off slow. I started off basically doing three tours a year. My tours are very small. I only take four people. I kept my day job so that I could pay the bills at home. I had two young sons at the time, uh, so you know, wanted to make sure they were taken care of and pay for everything at the house. And I built the company up slowly, and then I started going out on the lecture circuit and found out that I really liked teaching people just like others taught me in the camera club environment. So I started going out to conferences and trade shows and, and doing presentations and I focus on instructional programs. So I tell people exactly how to do it when I'm doing my presentations. And it's one of the most fulfilling things. When you see that expression on somebody's face and they're genuinely excited when they look at the back of their camera, you know you've done your job. Yeah, yeah. There's, no, there's really nothing like that, for sure. Well, what was your, what was your photography training like? Was it, was it just sort of... Um, mentors in your camera club or did you do you mentioned art school did you do any formal photography training so i think no no formal training but i think art school um and and having that artistic side helped me with the composition and seeing things i always tell people i could teach you the technical stuff i'm not sure that i could always teach you how to see something digital has made that easier because you could show them on the back of the lcd right. and, and give them a good idea of what you're doing but I met two gentlemen in the camera club, and they're the ones who really, uh, you know, I was that annoying 20-something-year-old said, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? How'd you do that? And they decided instead of having to answer every question, they'd just take me along when they were doing a field trip locally or even some of the places out west, and I would go out shooting with them, and they you know, critique me and tell me what I was doing wrong. Nice. So it was really was mentorship because I have no formal training. 
Sure. But that's great. And that probably informs the way that you teach. Um, and there's sometimes there's a big difference between, you know, a classroom and and just hanging out with someone and, and talking to them about what they do. Uh, right. And I remember vividly uh, uh, we were out shooting uh, macro photography. We we're doing macro photography. We went to a local park and uh, my mentor, his name was Terry Boyer and one was Ben Venegio, local guys. You never heard of them nationally. But we would walk through a field, and uh, the older gentleman, Ben, walked through. He was doing his own thing. And uh, I'd walk through the field, and Terry says, well, did you see the prying mantis? Did you see this? Did you see that? And I'd say, no, they're not there. Hmm. And he'd take me back, and he'd point them out. So really, he taught me how to slow down and look and what to look for and how to do it. So he taught me the settings, you know, those were down pretty quickly. I, I shoot everything sharp. So I'm F 22 all the time. Uh, I like using flash as fill light. And, uh, you see, you know, so the settings he taught me quickly, but he really taught me how to slow down and see. Yeah, that's, and that's great. That's not something you can sit in a room and, and discuss and learn how to do. That's invaluable for sure. Um, and that's, I mean, that makes a difference when you hire somebody to take you out on a workshop, when somebody hires you. I mean, that's why I hire the guides that I use in Costa Rica. You know, my buddy Enrique will see stuff that you or I would walk by a thousand times, you know, and, and he'll just notice one little different thing and see, oh, this little snake or this little frog. And, and that's, that's the kind of stuff that's, that's the biggest benefit, I think, probably to your clients. Um, well, speaking of your clients, you run your tours a little bit differently than a lot of people do. And and you mentioned earlier, you take four people. Right. And so, you know, when you say small group, you mean a small group, man. What, um, why do you still, is that still the average size for your groups? And, and, uh, why do you, why do you think the small group is such a big deal? Well, based, I made a decision a long time ago because I went on a tour 10 years ago, maybe more that it was a large group and I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And when I sat down to build my business model, um, in the U S I take four internationally, I'll take six because of, you know, costs and everything else like that. Sure. But I've stuck to my guns on that because I like that teaching environment. Um, I also do the accommodations and transportation. So once you get to the location, you're with me in a suburban so the company Roman with Roman, everybody kids, you don't know where I'm going to be because I, the weather will dictate it, all the conditions, and I can move the group as I see fit. And I really like the format of that interaction when people can ask me right there without having to shout out over the group or anything else. So to me, it's rewarding because I see them get the results and – it's funny, I've been to a lot of National Parks arches, I think, 19 times in that area out there. I still get excited when I take out clients, even though I may have taken the picture 100 times, 1,000 times, uh, that they get the shot, that it's new and fresh to them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I realized a long time ago, I get the same kick out of helping somebody make a picture as I do about getting it myself. Um but I definitely see what you mean. It, when you have a small group, if you're just one SUV, that's you're definitely able to be a lot more nimble with the group than you would if you had, you know, two vans or something like that. Um, I, I think about that with the uh, caravan type workshops, and, and they I'm sure they run great. But it, it stresses me out to think about having to keep up with. Well, are the 
you know, eight cars still behind me and, and all that stuff. It just seems like, um, seems like a hassle, but I, I'm sure, you know, obviously people go on them and they enjoy them, but I'm kind of with you. I'd prefer to have a, have a smaller group. And I think it makes for a much more friendly environment that the people aren't intimidated to ask what they perceive as a stupid question to you, mm -hmm. because there are no such things as stupid questions. But sometimes when there's a larger group involved, they're worried about asking the question in front of other people because of embarrassment. Here, they can walk up to me and talk to me on a one-on-one -on -one basis, practically. Oh, I'm sure. And when you're in the car with five other people, you're, you're bound to be buddies with everybody after, you know a pretty short time and there's there's always in a big group there's always that one or two people who you know they might have questions but they they're shy or they feel like they don't want to push in or or whatever it is so that that um that definitely makes a lot of sense right um well man you gave me some advice uh, a while ago about focusing on family over work and you you alluded to it earlier about you know keeping your day job and that kind of stuff and you know i don't travel as much as i would if I didn't have two small children at home and um, tell me about how your photography business and your travel schedule has changed now that your kids are older. Well, yeah, my sons are now 19 and 20 years old, both in college. Um, and when they were younger, you figure my company 13 years ago, they were, they were, they were young and I didn't want to be away from those birthday parties, the, graduations, all those things. Yep. So I made a conscious effort early on in my career, not only as a business move to say, okay, let me see how I do if I like that four-person format, if I can do what I think I can do. So I stuck to my guns those early years. And as they started getting, you know, 15, 16, I added a couple more to now where I'm doing nine and traveling or 10 and traveling a lot more for Sigma and other things and lectures because now, you know, in their twenties, basically it's dad, can I have money or borrow the car? So <laughs> right. but I wouldn't trade that for the world because going around, I see so many people that sacrifice their family and their friends for the career. Sure. So, I mean, I'm, I just turned 50. I don't feel I'm old. And I feel I'm doing pretty good with the business now after 13 years. And I made my mistakes slowly. It wasn't just running and try to do everything at once. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I really appreciate that. In fact, that trip, I guess it was St. Augustine um, last year. And it seemed like out of the blue, like we, you and I hadn't been talking about it. And, and, but I had been thinking about it on that trip in particular about, um, you know, how much am I going to, how much time am I going to spend away from home? And, um, you know, how much should I sacrifice of my family for this, for me, relatively new full-time gig? And then, like I said, it was like out of nowhere, you started talking to me about, you know, your family's the most important thing and you need to focus on that. And then when they're big enough, then you can, you know, the family, you know, your business comes later. And then that was the same day that Bill Fortney did the keynote address and talked about how nobody ever laid on their deathbed and wished they spent one more day at the office. And you know, it was like right. all that stuff was it was like a like a lightning bolt, man. I really appreciate that. Right. And, you know, I told you, you don't get those years back. And I see your Facebook posts with the kids and the family and everything else like that. You got to enjoy that. You got to make time for that. Otherwise, 
everybody sees the glamour side of the tour business. You know, they see all oh, Romans out wherever. They don't see the hard work. Actually, now I was in construction before when I started the business, a union carpenter in New Jersey. So I kept that job, you know, for 10 years of the business. I only went full time the last three. And that was because of family and family priorities and everything else like that. Sure. You want to make sure you take care of the family, be there for the kids, the wife, and everything else. Everything else will fall into play. But when, you know, my cautionary tale is always to people when I meet them is be careful that you don't sacrifice you, your family, and everything else for the career because you're not going to get it back. No doubt. I mean, it's just pictures, you know, (laughs) especially now there's so many things that we can do even as photography teachers, whether it's online training or eBooks or, or something, you can keep yourself busy and still be around your family. So, right. Yeah. Well, Roman, you're definitely an outspoken guy and, uh, not one to be real shy about sharing how you feel about, about whatever as far as photography. And I'm sure there's people uh, I know of a couple that are, get kind of rubbed the wrong way by your, uh, irreverence so right. to speak. So, but I, I think that's probably what draws people to you as well. And I'm sure your clients like the fact and respect the fact that you're going to shoot them straight and not sugarcoat anything. And you're going to, you're there to help them make, you know, good pictures. Nobody ever wonders like, I wonder what Roman thinks about me, you know? Right. Um, w- was there a time when you were starting out that you felt like you needed to hold back a little bit and play the game or have you always just been full throttle and Let's see what happens. I've always been pretty much full throttle. Uh, I've not been known for my tact too much, although my <laughs> wife says I have improved. Uh, uh, you know, she laughs about that. Uh, I, a lot of the people that go with me, you're there for a reason. And, you know, to get the shot and to do everything else. I, I like telling people how to do it. There's no, there's no real secrets that I want to keep you. I don't want to give you half the information. I take as much joy out of if I give you the information and you go out and do it and you're successful. I always look back at my mentors. They never asked me for anything. They're genuinely happy for me. Yeah. Uh, one has passed away way too young at 56, but they were they were very happy for me. And as a matter of fact, I just saw Ben. He's 83 years old and he's genuinely happy for me and he shared with me all his knowledge. So how do you how do you hide that? Sometimes I do come off that I'm just shooting off the cuff, but you know, reality is I believe in telling you so that way you're not saying, Oh, maybe he meant this or no, I'm just gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you right out how I feel, good or bad. Uh don't get offended. <laughs> Usually <laughs> it's I, I'm not saying it with any malice. I'm saying it to try to help you. Right. Uh, not to hold you back. Um, I don't want to tell you, oh, it's easy. And then you come back to me a year or two later and say, well, you said it was a piece of cake. No, it's not. It's hard work. Yeah. Um, you know, and I like being friendly. I like being social. I like, you know, listen, business is business. We all know we have a job to do, but I like going out and cutting loose occasionally. And sometimes I get myself in trouble, but not too often. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that never happens. Uh, that's cool, man. Well, I'm going to, um, I'm going to wrap up this episode with my usual five questions and the first two are kind of together. So, uh, tell me about your current photo gear setup and how has that changed in the last year? My current photo gear 
setups that uh, consists of two Canon 1D Mark III bodies that I've had for five years. I finally upgraded one of the bodies to a Canon 1DX, which I absolutely love. Um, my oldest lenses was a, a Sigma 180 macro. I've replaced that with the 150 macro just because I'm getting older and I don't want to carry around as much weight. Uh, the oldest lens I have besides that was the Sigma 3 to 800. Um, that lens is my favorite wildlife lens because of versatility. Yeah. Uh, then wide angle lenses I have. I used to use a Canon 17 to 40 for uh, my nighttime photography work. Uh, one of our friends lost her gear or was changing over to Canon, and I sold that lens to her, which is one of my favorite lenses. But I now use the 12 to 24 and a 24 to 105 for my landscape stuff. And my intermediate uh, telephoto lens is the Sigma 120 to 300 2.8. So if I'm on Safari in Tanzania, uh, that's what I'm using. I use uh, flash for my uh, macro photography, and that's a Sigma ring light. I also had the Canon MT24 twin lights. I like them a lot too, but you know, price-wise, one's three fifty, the other one's eight hundred fifty bucks. So it's your budget; spend it how you want, you know. But yeah. you have options nowadays, no doubt. I think you and I share that with in regards to what we uh, kind of what we promote to our clients. We, I would, I don't want to tell you that you need to buy this two thousand dollar thing to make a picture when there's a you know five hundred dollar thing that will do the same job. So I think you're. I think we're kind of in the same boat with that uh, right just and, and just, i like recommending some uh you know even home remedies you know you don't have a flash i use a daylight when i'm in my house doing studio work for macro i'll use a daylight balanced uh light bulb and a desk lamp to light it you know you don't have to use mostly the expensive gear you got a lot of things that you can use yeah very cool um well, what do you do on the road to make your hotel room feel like a home away from home you have any uh uh, rituals that you do? Yeah, I don't know if I should admit this to you, but I travel with my own pillow. <laughs> <laughs> it's my one vice. Everywhere <laughs> I go, I travel with my white goose down pillow. So when I put my head down, it feels like home. I mean, I'm in so many hotel rooms, but that's the only thing that I really you know, travel with. So now, you know, the secret's out. <laughs> I travel that, with my own pillow. That is awesome. So tell me when you take, when you take late night flights, do you wear your like pajamas too and have your little pillow under your arm at the airport? Or? No, no, no. <laughs> Pillows checked. As long as I have it in my room, it's, it's good. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That, that is hilarious. Thank you for sharing that. That's funny. Um, well, from a photography standpoint, what's your favorite place you visited lately? Uh, Iceland has reinvigorated my passion for landscapes. I, I, it's not that I ever lost it because I still love doing landscapes, but just going to Iceland and seeing the waterfalls and the landscape really invigorated me as far as a landscape photographer goes. Man. My favorite place in the U.S. has to be uh, Yellowstone for the wildlife and uh, for the landscapes. Uh, outside, I mean, Tanzania is one through ten. I mean, just seeing a crossing of the river or a wildebeest give birth and 20 minutes later the calf is running full speed, uh, it's just incredible. Wow. wow. Yeah, everybody's talking about Iceland, man, but nobody has invited me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a little bummed out about it. But i got to get over there, obviously. Yeah. Um, well, where? what's next for you? Where are you looking forward to uh, visiting and shooting next? 
Well, I have a couple of conferences this summer, uh, and then I head back to uh, Yellowstone for not only the PSA conference, but then my tour afterwards. And then I finish off the year out in New Mexico for a conference, Ecuador. And then I'm taking a family vacation out to Hawaii. I'm splurging and grabbing the family out to Hawaii at the end of the year. So Very nice. Yeah, I'll definitely see you out at uh, Yellowstone for PSA. I'm going to try to bring my son along. I try to find a, a babysitter to come and hang out because, you know, I'll be teaching and shooting just for such a short part of the time. I think I'm doing two classes and the rest of the time I want to hang out with my boy and show him all that, all that stuff out there. Um, well, Roman, thanks a lot for being on the show, man. I'm glad I, uh, glad I finally got you on and I'm sorry it took this long to, to hook it up, man. But, uh, where can people find out more about you online? Uh, you can visit my website, romanwithroman.com and it's everything's there. My schedule, lecture schedule and everything else, eBooks, blog, the whole, all the stuff. Very cool. Thanks a lot, man. I'll talk to you soon. Great. Right. Appreciate having you, Rob. All right. Now, if you like what you hear on your itinerary, please tell all your friends about it and stop by iTunes and leave us some positive feedback. And be sure to connect with me on uh, Twitter at Your Itinerary. And thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Your Itinerary with Rob Knight. Head over to thisweekinphoto.com to check out the other TWIP shows and get on our mailing list. Become a TWIP member to get exclusive benefits and member pricing on TWIP products and workshops. Start planning your next adventure, and we'll see you next week on Your Itinerary for travel and photography.